A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Bumping my head pretending <laughs> yeah. to be Hulk Hogan. It came pretending to be Hulk Hogan yeah. and bumping yeah, yeah. your head. Nothing good ever happens because of Hogan. <laughs> 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 Adam Pearson, how are you doing? I'm really well, thank you. Absolute pleasure to meet you in the flesh. I, I, I'm honoured to meet in the flesh the, the lovely hands that Scarlett Johansson complimented you on. Yes, indeed. My mother's always said I had nice hands. And now but, Scarlett Johansson says it as well. Yeah, well, um, when we were working on that, when we were discussing the role, we, had, um, we got a couple of lunches, me, her and the director. And spoke about the character. And how this would all, all work and what have you. Because she drives around in a van just asking guys to get in. Is that Scarlett Johansson or the character in the film? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 either or. She learned, she, well, no, she learned to drive that van in the car park of Elmstreet Studios. Nice. That's commitment, that is. She, she went all in on, on this. Good um, film, that. Great. She's great. Fun. I love her to be in. Yeah. She's, she's a lot funnier and a lot kind of people give her credit for. I think very often they just boil her down to all Black Widow, Crack and Figure, Catsuit, grr. <laughs> when she, she's all wicked smart, all wicked funny, and incredibly kind. It was my first acting role. I'm nervous as hell. I, don't, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why they hired me. Like, on, everything I could have done wrong in the process to land in the role, I did wrong. I went to go meet the director, Jonathan Glazer, mm. for a meeting. And on the way to the meeting, I got hit by a black cab on Tottenham Court Road. They do say, if you're going for a meeting uh, with Glazer, do not get hit by a black cab. And I literally broke my leg. Oh, no. And, and properly, knee pointing one way, foot pointing the other way. Jeez. And so adrenaline kicks in, and I call him, and I'm like, hey, funny story, I've been hit by a car, my leg's broken, because I'm really keen. Don't think I'm not keen. <laughs> I'm just going to be about 10 minutes late. Oh, what? That's, I love that. I think I'd be the same. I'd be like, just give us a minute. I'm just going to snap it back into place and I'll be there. How did he respond to a text? Like, I've been hit by a car. My leg's been out of shape. I'll be ten. Oh, right. What did he say? And he, and he was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see, it's and, 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 and I don't hang out. I don't call my mum and have pretty much the same conversation. To which she goes, well, <clears throat> it's going to happen one day. <laughs> see, see what you see, Al. So did you make so so did you make it to the meeting that day? I well, please tell point, me you did. At that point, paramedics have descended. Right. And and they, they cut your clothes off and stuff. Um, don't they? And then he, he turns up at the scene, and at that point, I'm under a taxi in just my pants, <laughs> highest giraffe ass on morphine. And apparently, because it also happened bang outside where I was working at the time, so I had a, a few colleagues there. 
who relayed all this back to me. Apparently, the conversation went thusly. Him. Bloody hell, Adam, I didn't realise you did your own stunts. Me. <laughs> to which I allegedly replied, mate, do I look like I've got a fucking stunt up? <laughs> that's, how, that's how that went. <laughs> he then comes sees me in, in the trauma ward of UCL while I'm waiting for surgery. And we have the actual actual conversation we were meant to be having. Wow. On on that day. And then um they, they give the gig, they paid for private physio so they could get me up and running. Oh, that's amazing. In, in time. And then I think I flew out on yeah, on November eleven, eleven, eleven was when I flew out to Glasgow to to go and do the whole thing. I was out there for a, a couple of weeks, then we did the Special effects, the Black Void scene in um in Elstree, on on the old George Lucas stage. Oh I'm, I'm wow! Out, out there, um, a little bit, and it, it it's a, it was a hell of an experience. I'm I'm very fortunate. I thought it would be around for maybe a couple of weeks and would maybe take up a month, two months of my life tops. Yeah. And ten years ago, I'm still talking about it. Still going to film festivals. Um. Art and film students love me, and it's um, I'm a very fortunate man to have been given the opportunities that I have, and uh, and luckily I've nailed them. Mm. I've nailed them all. I didn't get any opportunities, and being in the right place at the right time is only half of the half of the sh- half of the gig. Mm. And people often forget that you've still got to put the work in. You still got to yeah. know, know your lines, rock up, and nail it. Also, be be nice to people. As, as you well know, you never know who you're going to meet on the way up mm-hmm. or all the way down. And But it isn't rocket science. Just don't don't be a dick. Like, and a lot of people kind of forget that in in um, in the crazy world that is the media, don't they? I think a lot of the times people are faking it till they make it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times I forgive it because they're acting the way that they think they have to act. Whereas really when you get to know them, you realise they're quite shy, quite nervous, uh, sometimes uh, in over their own head. Mm-hmm. And that's why they put this affront. Not all of them, some of them are dicks, uh, but there are some that aren't the case. And, 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 and you're not one of them. And I think the one thing that's really, that, that speaks about you is that that story there, like you just take everything in, 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 in your stride. As, as, as sometimes as difficult as that can be, breaking your leg and still managing to, to land a role and having them pay for your, your physio. I did wonder, because you say that you're there, you get cut out of your clothes, you get loaded into the, to the, into the ambulance and Glaze is there and he sees you in his underpants. And directly at that point he goes, he'd be great for a naked scene on the beach at the end of this movie. <laughs> I wonder whether that swung it. Well, I... I well, That's the I, body I, we need. Yes. Well, no, there was nudity involved from... The word go. That was the first conversation <laughs> I had with the casting lady. She's like, and you know, you know, this, you're okay with nudity, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm great with nudity. <laughs> I, I do it most days. I'm brilliant with nudity. Yeah, man. That's I'm, amazing. I'm, I'm, I'm cracking, <laughs> cracking with it. I don't know how my friends or family are going to be with it when they when they see it in the cinema because I'm not going to tell them. I'm going <laughs> to let that be a surprise. So, who were you sat next to when um, when you went to see the when you went to the premiere? Um, I was with my best friend Roxy. Right, so did and Roxy know that you were about to she, she, get your kid yeah, off? I, I gave her 
the heads up. Uh, and she was like, don't worry, I'll shut my eyes. And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. That's not what you want to hear. Bit, That's not what you want to hear. Bit harsh. Rude. <laughs> I could have brought anyone to this. If anything, open your eyes. Oh, I should, should have brought your sister. You don't. Um, no, I'm sorry, I love you. If you're listening to this, Roxy, I, I love you. <laughs> there's a word that you threw in there. <laughs> Not sister. Um, there's a word that you threw in there, which is why we are on Cultaholic Island, sir. Uh, when you said you were marking out on the George Lucas set. And, and what I love is that most interviews I've heard you do, you slip in a bit of wrestling vernacular. You so are a wrestling fan. I, I am, and it, and it just sort of organically happens. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not trying to be that guy. I just think when you're, you're around it enough, when you listen to it enough, and when you, when you love it, I think when you listen to people talk about wrestling, mm. you can tell what ones are real wrestling fans and what ones just have a job in the wrestling industry. Yeah. And they're two very different things. And I understand that when you, you turn a passion into a job, invariably... It will lose some of its luster. But yeah. if, you can, if you can at the same time embrace that and keep that childlike wonderment um, about it. Yeah. And it's a very fine balancing act that, that one has to do. And I get it isn't perfect as well. No. I, I, want, I don't think I, you necessarily need to put the, the rose tinted glasses on and, and call a bad show a good show for the sake of the industry or, or, or the community. Mm. Um, but I, I still, I still love it. It, it, it. It's camp. It's ridiculous. It's, it's wonderful. In the main, the community is excellent. I was at the um, Hooked on Wrestling All Out viewing party. Oh, splendid! And um, with like you know Paul Benson, Steph Chase was on a quiz team with with Doug Williams, and and Davy Storm, both of whom are. A great guys um, telling Doug Williams he's wrong in a quiz is the most terrifying thing I've ever done, <laughs> and I skydived. Um, not a small man, <laughs> lovely bloke, <laughs> but I just didn't know who presented the AEW title along with Bret Hart at the first ever. What a weird bit of trivia well, that is, isn't it? Well, it's Jack, Jack Whitehall. Yeah, Jack and Whitehall. I, I only know that because I thought. What? Jack Whitehall here. <laughs> like, it was a weird choice to have, like, because everybody was a bit confused about <laughs> by Jack Whitehall turning up with the well, AEW title. He was a there. massive wrestling fan because yeah. I remember he was on Would I Lie to You, and it was this. This is my and the guy they brought out was his wrestling coach. <laughs> he was doing like wrestling training at the time, and he took a body slam on on the show, and Claudia Winkleman nearly passed out because the study he made <laughs> was. <laughs> Was was mental, but that was a really good night. Particularly at the end when we got because we we've been making bets just that if we were going to get Adam Cole or Daniel Bryan, and no one had said both, and uh, we were talking about it in in the toilets with all all the lads in the we had a massive debate about it during the um the piss break, which was the, the big show. The it big did show that, that that did become the big show, big show. Cutie Marshall was everybody go to the toilet. It was at, at all out, which was which I think everybody needed by that point. But. It was, and then and then uh, scientists have always wondered: Can Daniel Bryan make fully grown men cry? And the answer <laughs> is yes, as long as he's directly preceded by Adam Cole. Oh, he's he's made me cry on a few occasions as uh, Brian Danielson slash Daniel Bryan. Um, just I, I don't think I've ever truly emoted or, or like emotionally connected to a wrestler like I have Daniel Bryan. And I don't know whether it's the the, the underdog 
story there. Mm. The and I think the the organic nature in which he became a star. Yeah. How it was how even with like a small idea of the wrestling world, you could sense that the machine was always against him. Mm-hmm. And it just became like, I know Cody threw the word around an AEW show the other year, but like he was, he's the one that's truly undeniable, like mm-hmm. in everything. So like to see, like I, we did live, I did live reactions were all out and Adam Cole being there, that was fine. That would have been enough. And then to 90 seconds later, to bring out Brian Danielson, I think my reaction was, you maniacs. <laughs> yeah. You maniacs. You do both on the same night. That's two months worth of telly. Just, sure, why and, not? And I'm a hugging grown men I don't know. Because oh. Adam Cole came out and turned heel straight away. And all these guys started like flipping off the monitors <laughs> in, like, in like this bar and grill place on, on Old Street. <laughs> Um, Paul Paul Benson, who does the cryptography, so he's like losing losing his mind. Um, Steph Chase is a wreck by this. this, this oh, this bless point. her! And then Adam Cole comes out and he's like, ah! Oh! We're, <laughs> we're, we're like hugging, and then he hits that knee <sighs> on like one of the young bucks, and and the shove that made was was undeniable. And and then everyone's still outside this place, like still talking at like five a.m. The bouncers trying to disperse us all and make us all move on. And then again. Benson comes and just outside and shouts out, Adam Cole! And then a hundred <laughs> men just go, Baby! Oh. Like, like back at him. And See, that's what I love about wrestling. It's, it is, is, when there's there's two distinct versions i think there's 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 and and this is very general like there's the wrestling community in person and there's the wrestling community online and and there's a and there's a, a big part of why like you know i'm i i during my week off i took time away from socials is is that tribalism that just wears you down like if you you know if you compliment if you compliment um, Brian Danielson on wearing a lovely hat, you're clearly an AEW fanboy and you deserve to burn. Yeah. If, you, if you say that Raw was anything but a great wrestling show, then you're an AEW fanboy. If you complain about a match on Raw being a bit crap, then why are you so anti-WWE? I get quite often in the same videos called um, an AEW fanboy and anti-AEW. Yeah. So it's just like, it's confirmation bias that a lot of people drink off. And, and, the, and that's online. But, the, but to go to an event live, and be amongst like-minded people. It's there's, great. there's nothing better. There, there, there really, there really isn't. So, are, are you saying with the whole AW thing that you're not getting the, uh, the old con coin? Is he not, is he not paying you? It's not my place to say where, <laughs> where this check is from. No. Uh, but we're here, Adam. Moving on. Before, uh, let's, I want to make sure that check clears before I say any more about that. Uh, we're here to send you on to a desert island. I know, right? No, I'm excited. Are you good with sunshine? Are you good with hot weather? And, and I, I, I love, I love hot weather. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm a real sunshine. Well, there's your desert island there. <laughs> there it is. It's what it looks like. It's a, some people think it's a, it's a monitor. It's a window. And uh, we're going to give you three wrestling matches to watch whilst you are stranded on said desert island. What would you like your first match to be, Adam Pearson? I'm going to go with Kurt Angle, Triple H, Royal Rumble 2001. Ooh. Now, a really interesting choice, this. Because uh, a, this is quite a divided one. Like when I when you know when when I saw this match, I remember like thinking it's too. Well, it's not about me. I want to know why you why you've chosen this match. Yeah, it's uh, it's built to what is probably one of the best WrestleManias of all time. 
That it is. That it is. And for me, because I, I wasn't sure about Angle as as a main eventer at that point. He'd come in, Solo Series 99 against Sean Stasek, and had been built very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And for me, this was his arrival party. Mm. This, for me, in my mind, is in Kurt Angle was became legit. He'd done things I'd never seen, not just him do, but a wrestler hmm. do before. The bit where Triple H is on the top rope and he just runs up and does that Benny to Benny suplex. Oh, yeah. Rather than the slow, melodic plod of all. And the whole match was so sudden. You had that undercurrent of the whole Stone Cold Triple H thing hmm. still going on that led to these three stages of Hell Match the following months at All Way Out. And that then meant that Kurt Angle could splinter off beautifully and do that feud with the Rock yeah. that could then build to Rock Stone Cold at No Way Out. And it's the it's the embryonic title match that set so many moving parts either into motion or kept them going. Very often feuds now can burn out halfway through and you've got to do something crazy to to reignite them. And also it one of the ones I stayed up to watch with mates on and used to text and back at back in at that time I think I had a Philips C13 savvy that could only hold 10 texts at a time <laughs> so you're deleting texts or other ones are coming in trying to keep up and this was the second year of WWE's really maligned Channel 4 contract oh that was now we've, we've covered this on the classic Smackdown review Matthew Gregg and I and wow, Channel 4 got buyer's remorse on that very quickly. <laughs> well, they, 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 did, they got Sunday Night Heat and it did gangbuster numbers. And mm. They got really excited and thought we'll do a few pay-per-views and, and we'll do the first one they did, Rumble 2000, they had live with no tape delay. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong <laughs> with the Miss Rumble bikini contest? I can think of two things that went wrong <laughs> that night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Both of them swinging in the wind. <laughs> That was a lot of swing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was the, the They weren't there. hers, by the way. No, it was a bodysuit. It's a bodysuit. I don't know. And, and I'm sure also, hers would have been fine. Maybe hers but, were too good. But, but also, when the channel we're talking that, about Mae Young's tits, by the way. When the channel that brings you Euro trash, yeah, says no. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know you've crossed some kind of imaginary line. This is, oh, just... The, the, the channel that bought you naked attraction <laughs> doesn't, like, gets biased a lot about you. Did you used to watch Euro Trash at this time as well? I, I have a lot of friends who worked on it. Oh. I, know, I know the Euro Trash OG from... My oh. friend Kurt, who worked on that, is now the exec producer from Naked Attraction. Please thank them for me, because I loved that whole show where they would go to parts of Europe where they had, like, sex dungeons and things like that and they would have like somebody from Germany talking about their sex dungeon and talking like quite excitedly about it and they'd always pick the weirdest voiceovers for it so you'd have this show on channel 4 where they go to these weird part weird, weird sort of sexual uh, curiosities around Europe and then as somebody's talking about this sex dungeon, they've got a voiceover doing it in English, and the voiceover's like, well, yeah, they like to come in here and have sex with their penis, and uh, 
sometimes I let them smack me in my on my ass with their funny, and it's just the the the, the choice of voiceovers just always got me there. Yeah, it's voiced by cartoon characters. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> and then they had Lola for a while, who was the woman. This is the woman who had like the, the biggest breasts in the world. Yeah, Lola Ferrari. Lola Ferrari, and like they have her playing ping pong and stuff like that. There's she's no longer with us, right? There was a rumor that went round my school that she died because she fell off a cliff. <laughs> No. Okay, that's okay. We can. <laughs> if Andrew Appleyard is watching or listening, that it didn't happen, mate. Stop spreading that. <laughs> well, there's, there's, I, think, I think there's a documentary called The Death of a Porn Star about her. Well, they, so then we'd know if she fell off a cliff. And, and, well, I've seen the documentary. I'm trying to act really coy just in case my mum listens to this and finds He's out. She's been watching sex finds documentaries. Out TV, <laughs> finds out what the TV license was paying for <laughs> for, for, most of my, for most of my teenage years. <laughs> But channel, yeah. So channel four, just to 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 come back off the off the bypass, um, channel four paid for shows like Naked Attraction, like Euro Trash. They're not against uh, a little bit, a little bit of boobage, but f- I think what it came down to, from what we we researched in the Observer and stuff, is that WWF had been sold to Channel Four as like family entertainment. It had, and then you got that street fight. And then you had the street. You had, you had, their first night on the books was like a blood and gut street fight and, a, and an old woman getting her breasts out. So like, you, I kind of get where the buyer's remorse might have come from there. Where they went, you kind of, you said this was a kids show. It's fun for all the family, pal. This is good shit. It's like, well, it's not for the family though, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what, what, what? It's not for the family. Unless not family, it's the Fritzel. Right? <laughs> <laughs> all the Adams family, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Gr- yeah it's, it's true though. It's it's a it's very much not family stuff, but uh, but this so you were watching this on Channel Four near yeah. near kind of the end of their run uh, hosting hosting shows. I believe it was this Rumble as well where the Big Show made his return and Channel Four cut to break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, and I don't know why because this was on like a sixty minute tape delay. They had all the time in the world to yeah. to edit it out or pick up where where they left off. I don't know whether they whether the execs thought. With a non-wrestling mind, I thought that's a good cliffhanger to yeah. make people stick around for another break. Maybe. Well, this is what happens when you let non-wrestling fans make decisions about wrestling. Yes, and, that is. There it, is that, and, and it, 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 it infuriates me. Yeah. And it happens a lot in stealing TV, where people who aren't affected by something make decisions about it. Whether that's kind of wrestling. Mm. At the moment, we've got a lot of non-disabled people leading the disability policies. Yeah. And 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 what have you? That's another rant for for another day. That'll be like an hour and a half of this podcast, just me ranting and putting <laughs> putting the world to rights. And and I've already made a Joe Crystal joke that there's no coming back from. So <laughs> you've already gone quite deep into that one, I, which is I, which is very impressive. I, 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 I actually apologise to Sound Driver. <laughs> nah, don't, don't worry about it. It's me editing. Then it's fine. Oh, okay, fair so, so, so apologise to me instead. That's fine. I might just leave it in. If you're hearing this bit, I've left it in. <laughs> just just for the fun. It's free. Get over it. <laughs> um, so um, what got you into wrestling at the beginning? Where did that start? Yeah, I'd always been aware of it. Mm. Um, my best friend Matthew, who, who now lives up here, um, actually, in, in Newcastle, had the, the old Silver Vision VHS tapes. Mm. It was like, I think it had Bulldog, Hogan and Warrior. Nice. And the Hogan one had the uh, Mania 6 match on it oh yeah that's a beauty 
and Hogan Warrior, the with, Ultimate Challenge. Yeah, and even with sort of like blinkered wrestling knowledge, and as a, um, I think I'd have been about eight at the time, mm. you just knew that what you were watching was special. You can kind of feed off the atmosphere and, and hear the commentary and, and buy into the, the pageantry. And I think also at the time, the um, kayfabe and the fourth wall was still very much up and still very much um, alive, alive and well. The cat wasn't truly out, out of the bag yet. No. I mean, I think it depends if you looked for it, you could find it. But it wasn't, but I think because of a lack of internet or more than four channels, like you just kind of just drunk in what you saw. There wasn't any. And, and, you, and you go with it. And, and in a way, I missed that innocence to the, yeah. to the whole thing. And, I and do that, feel bad sometimes that we're very much sort of pushing that we're ruining a lot of innocences by yeah. doing. But that's just that's just the nature of what we do. And and I believe genuinely believe that people have got the choice to watch it and haven't. No, no, completely. You, no, you no, can no, go no. back in and just enjoy it at an innocent level. Just stay away yeah. from the internet. <laughs> no, well, yeah, no, no one stumbles across Dave Meltzer when they're doing their weekly shop, do they? And, <laughs> and then your life is ruined, ruined forever. Oh, like, no no one Dave. finds this kind of thing in the final Oh, no, I, I, I love Meltzer. It's <laughs> like that one joke I made after Omega, Okada. <laughs> um, when he gave it six stars, I made a joke that his whole scale's been out of ten this whole time. He just really hates wrestling. Could you imagine? <laughs> that was the that was the big kicker. And even then, Okada Omega's one star better than everything else. It's all right, I guess. People just just killing themselves for half, fifty percent. <laughs> Try harder, uh, Dave. Um, I've said a few times, Dave Meltzer is um, the newsletter that he puts out, like. I, I, a lot of people get confused by the way he writes, mm-hmm. but I believe that Dave writes like jazz happens. So, like, he writes in a very rhythmical style that doesn't necessarily feel need to be bound by format and sentence structure. And oh. I kind of admire that freedom. Yeah, and, 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 he's, and he's unapologetically Dave Meltzer. Oh, God, yeah. And he's it's, always it's, the Meltz. I, I, I forget who said it, but it's something that... Um, Oh, as, you know how sometimes TV programs it was on, I heard it on Criminal Minds they start mm. and close with these like epic quotes yeah that I meant to frame a whole episode that when you really boil it down a tangentially related to what you've just seen but can be applied anywhere and one of them is it's better to write for yourself and have no audience than write for an audience and lose yourself Ooh. and I think Dave Meltzer is a, a classic example of how he writes oh, himself. And he's been doing this for years. He was doing it before the internet, back he, when you had to do your research. Yeah. Harder, he's outside harder, buildings. Like, call someone. Yeah. yeah I, back in the day. I, 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 I had no idea who Hackenschmidt was until yeah. Dave Knoxler <laughs> entered my life. Big Dave has done Big Dave's told you. Big Dave's done the mm. thing for you. But, um, but yeah, so WrestleMania 6 was an eye-opener for you then. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's, that's, and that's a great jumping on point as a fan. It, it really Really is. exciting those, time. Those kind of epic, epic ones. I mean, it, it's, it's what gave us the career of Adam Copeland. That was when yeah. he, he, he was there live, and then we're just like, yeah, this is what I want to do now. Mm. And then he did it. He, I mean, even in his Hall of Fame speech, he said, decide what to be and go be it. Mm. And could point back to WrestleMania 6 as the moment he, he did that. Yeah. We, 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 um, you've, you've talked about it a lot in other podcasts. So, you know, 
don't want to talk about it all the time because it's out there. But I know you've said in previous ones that your initial diagnosis of neurofibromatosis comes well from... Thank you. I might have checked it a couple of times before I said it. <laughs> <laughs> the door... bumping my head pretending yeah. to be Hulk Hogan. It came pretending to be Hulk Hogan yeah. and bumping yeah, yeah. your head. So, no, so no. wrestling owes that for your <laughs> diagnosis. Nothing good ever happens because of Hogan. It's your fault again, Hulk! <laughs> Something else I can blame on Hulk Hogan. So what happened there, then? Um, I just bumped it, and it came up in, in a bump. And, and whilst it, it didn't cause my disability, and that's not how genotypes or phenotypes work, it was sort of what led to the diagnosis. So yeah. I, I, I say that as, as just, and not literally yeah. blaming. Hogan didn't cause <laughs> neurofibromatosis. <laughs> <laughs> then who did? <laughs> um, I'm looking Papa at you. Shango, Papa Shango. <laughs> <laughs> what if this was Papa Shango? We haven't considered that it might have been Papa Shango. <laughs> Are we blaming um, Charles right now? <laughs> no, 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 no. At the Godfather. <laughs> the Godfather. Um, <laughs> not so, not so good now. <laughs> now. But um, it was so. It was. It was wrestling in your bedroom that you banged yeah, your head, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they went, "Okay, that'll go down." And yeah, yeah. you did it again. And, and, yeah, yeah, and 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 it, and it didn't. And we did the whole um, seeing specialist genetic testing malarkey. And this was like what back of eighty nine, start of the nineties, where medicine what isn't what it is now. Mm. And and we just got read the definition from a medical dictionary. And we're kind of left to left to get on with it. Mm. Whereas now we all, we all know a lot more. Things are advanced a lot more. We've got two condition-specific specialists in the UK, and one in London, one in Manchester, and and things are a lot easier to navigate now. Now that we we know more, and I, I think medicine evolves and changes so quickly, particularly genetics. Mm. That you're always learning new things, and and also. Um, whilst I, I don't want to degrade the, uh, the practice of medicine or, or kind of facts, because medicine is, is facts as well as theory. Yeah. I also think um, I certainly, and, and disabled people as a whole, are more than just their diagnosis mm. or, or their disability. And to me, my disability is, is certainly a part of who I am, but it's not all of all of who I am. And I think that's when disability shines at it some brightest, is when it becomes a thing as opposed to the, the thing. And the more we can see people with um, disabilities out there doing things that aren't necessarily because disability, the more, the more normalised and integrated it can become into, into wider society and the more we can acclimate people to not only seeing it but talking about it a lot of people don't even like saying the word uh, disability I often call yeah. it the D word when I go in and, and, and do training um, people often say things that I, I'm certain of well meaning and they're coming from a good place mm. but are, are sort of like embryonic a ableism or things like kind of differently abled and like we're all yeah. differently abled Right, I don't, I don't know what, what you mean. 
and if, if and I think people are saying it to make them feel comfortable. A lot and, of it and, comes and from it, making other people feel comfortable. And, and it's like I hate, hate to make it to you, my disability is not about you. Um, <laughs> it's only just about me. <laughs> and, and and what else? Um, what ones have I been called? I get handicapable a lot when I'm in America. Yeah, which used they're to be, big on that word, handy capable. Yeah, which used to be my my least favourite, but I had a classic earlier this year. Um, I got called a a person with functioning diversity, and I was like, "What? That's the, just a lot of words." It is. Just, just say, just say, just say. Hell, I prefer spastic to person <laughs> with functioning diversity. Person with functioning diversity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeepers. So the problem is over here in the UK, when you think diversity, you think, wasn't that that band that did quite well on Britain's Got Talent? Are you in diversity? Are you Ashley or not? No. <laughs> That's amazing. But with, um, oh, there, was a, there was a great statement that you said, because I want to get into sort of you getting into, in, into the world of TV and entertainment. And, and, and it's so true in, in the sense that you are very much, a, um, very much a face and very much a force for um, changing that ideology behind disability on television, disability mm-hmm. in the media. And you said, uh, I want to watch a, somebody disabled on TV who's not getting surgery and not going on a date. Yeah. And that's yeah. really important. Because mm-hmm. it's a case of, that seems to be a lot of the time when you see this small percentage of a large minority represented on television. Yeah, and, and it paints disabled people as like a monolith. Yeah. When they aren't. And if you've met a disabled person, you've met a disabled person. If you, if you if I'm the first disabled person you've met and you use me as sort of like the um again the one of for disability mm. you're, you're selling that whole community really short I'm like way down on you should have higher expectations of disabled people yeah. outside of me and I think we should have them anyway I think that's one of the reasons why I, I've gotten to where I have is my parents always had ridiculously high expectations of me. Mm. And it can be quite easy to, for me to just coast along and be like, oh, I'm disabled, I don't know any better. And but that, that doesn't work, and that can only carry you um, so far. And it's also taught me to have high expectations of myself mm. and know what I can and can't do and what I will and won't accept and what I can and can't change and, and go from there. And it gives you a real... A real Perspective and disability is weird in in terms in, in in two senses of the particularly against other protected characteristics mm. that you don't get it till you get it. Yeah, but it's also the only one that isn't mutually exclusive. And and by that, I mean I'm not going to go to bed tonight as a, a, a straight white C of E male and wake up tomorrow as a black lesbian with a partial to Scientology. I mean, you might. Highly <laughs> unlikely. If, if I do, that's a hell of a documentary. <laughs> that's the documentary? <laughs> You're doing that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, commission that channel for <laughs> You cowards. But, but disability can happen to, to anyone at any time. Yeah. And, and, and God forbid it does. But if someone has like a, an accident, either, either driving, on holiday, or just sitting over at home, and even temporarily is on crutches or has to use a wheelchair, mm. how does getting around your house look? How does getting around your city look? How does getting to getting to work but and those are things that we don't often think about until until we have to overnight it would change you if that was the case mm-hmm. to go back to what you said with your parents how they said they had high expectations of you would you think there was maybe a concern 
from them, which is obviously since unfounded, a concern from them that maybe because you had a disability, you might coast? I, I don't think it was because I had a disability, I, I might coast. I think it's because I had a disability, I would be judged differently. And I, I, I often am in a position where I've got to work twice as hard as everyone else to get the same level of respect and, and credibility. I have to almost prove myself from, from the word go. Mm. That I'm I'm not that I'm not an idiot because I think often we conflate the words disability and the words inability, and people struggle to separate the two. So there's this weird proving ground and trial by fire that you have to go through. But that's probably why you have so many like where we have like you know handy capable and yeah. you know a person of of diversity or diversity, yeah. <laughs> you know but actually also, from diversity but also having to do it um time and time again mm. i think it's given me this level of kind of articulate grit resilience i've always tried to be quite um autodidactic and and learn by doing and and always um i think we should all be striving to improve ourselves um on a daily basis, but mm. within reason. I don't think we should be striving for these false ideologues of perfection yeah. that the media throw at. It's, 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 it does happen a lot with everybody when you watch stuff on TV. And I think that more than ever, like whenever you look at a screen, you are, you're constantly comparing your, I'll use the phrase I use, the, the behind the scenes to other people's greatest hits. And you're yeah. always judging like, well, they're doing this and they're here. I, I'm not, you know, and I think with TV, they gives, it, it sets such high standards for everybody to achieve too. I think it sets young people up to fail. Yeah, big style. I don't know how I do. Uh, and I think we're, we're, we're a similar age, you and I. Like we That's kind 36. of... 36. Yeah, 30, so you're 36, I'm 37. Yeah. So there you go. We're of a similar ilk. Um, a certain vintage, if you will. We've aged like a fine wine. We've aged like a fine cheese. Um, and, uh, and I don't know how well I'd have done growing up now where, like, I, uh, in my late 30s, I struggle going on Twitter sometimes and just getting yeah. messages going, you're shit, you are. It would have like, completely oh, finished me off. I think, I, yeah, I, I can imagine I, for you, it would have just been just yeah. a lot to take on board. I, I got bullied at school and my, my two escapes yeah. were coming home. My, my two kind of solaces... Well, they're, they're, they're three, really. Um, religion, wrestling, video gaming mm. were my kind of three escapes, yeah, if you will. And always being plugged in would have completely taken that away from me. Mm. Are you still very religious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Indeed. Um, what, what keeps you grounded in, in religion? In, in a time where we live now, where there's so much going on, there's so much drinking in, like, where did you draw your faith from? Um, I, well, I started off going to Sunday school with my best friend, Matthew, just to hang out with him more. Mm. And I, I, I was also a bit kind of curious, a bit cheeky. I'd ask, I'd ask questions. And um, I suppose the problem with knowledge is eventually you have to do something with it. Mm. There becomes a point where ignorance, ignorance is, is an excuse the first time and only the first time. And after that, it's a, a willful act of disobedience. And I'd ask all these questions, and they'd have answers. And eventually, you have to you reach this ritual Damascus Road moment where you have to make a choice as to whether on on the balance of it you think you you believe it or not. Yeah. And it's also a very experiential thing as well. There's a uh, a guy called Lee Strobel. He a highly qualified lawyer 
used to write for the Chicago Tribune in America. Yeah. And his wife became a Christian, and it pissed him off no end. And so he spent two years trying to prove what his wife believed was bullshit, and in the process became a Christian. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I, yeah, doing all the research, he went, actually, yeah, this is, this is where we go. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, no, completely. But also, again, growing up, church was the one place I could go to as a child where everyone was nice to me and everyone accepted me. And I think, and and I know the church doesn't always get it right. And it's um, handled a lot of communities. Um, The LGBTQ plus community in particular um, often get very mishandled Mm. by by the church. And, And that breaks my heart when when I see it happen. Because um, you're very, you're very, um, you're very outspoken in, in those communities, in, in, in the LGBTQ community, you're very pro and there's a lot of, a lot of religion that isn't so much. So do you find that's a conflict? I mean, you say, as you say, like it breaks your heart. Is there, yeah. Like what, what is being done? Do you, what do you see being done to, to repair that? I, is there, I, well, I, I, in terms of like the, the whole, the whole thing, I can't speak for the whole system. All, all I've ever said is I, I will treat everyone how I want to be treated. It's um, probably the most religious thing you can do. And, and, and whoever you want to sleep with, whoever you fall in love with, is, is none of my business. Mm. Um, and I think it's a comedian, Jim Jeffries, that said you can boil the Bible down to four simple words. Don't be... A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's true. And, yeah, yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll go with that. And I think we're also desperate. A, a lot of Christians do this weird theological flexing where they'll sit down and go through it and unpack the Greek and Hebrew and I want to talk double predestination or, or single predestination. And I'm like, whatever happened to loving each other? Yeah. We're, we're, I think we've all sort of lost that. I used to work for a church in, in Brighton on my gap year. And there was another church that um, was sort of like geographically close to ours. And I heard they were doing this outreach program to the LGBTQ community. And I thought, oh, that, that's, that's great. And then I saw the flyers and they called it Welcoming the Lepers. And I'm like, fuck's sake. Oh, yeah. you took one step forward and then you let it backwards into yeah, a lake. No, yeah, it, it, exactly. And, yeah, and that kind of thing like really winds me up yeah because from my experience of also running alpha courses and what have you people tend to come for the warmth and stay for the light people come because it's nice people having a nice time doing nice things mm. it's a it's an effort you can see the efforts been made but it's just getting that yeah balance that right. real impetus and and yeah I think I think you know on the subject of this, um, I think it comes down to um, the, the much bigger question, and I don't know whether you'll have an answer for this, but uh, definitely worth asking whilst you're here. Um, what video games did you play when you were growing up? Uh, oh, lo- loads. <laughs> so What's been your best one? I, I started out with an Amiga 500. Nice, vintage, that, good, that shit, was, good that stuff. That was like the, the debut, and I played a lot of. Um, in America, it was called Kids. I think it was called McDonaldland. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. where well, you played as Ronald. Uh, Mick and Mac. Oh, Mick and Mac, uh, Global Gladiators. Uh, Maybe. So, um, Ronald was the pre-sequel to Global Gladiators. Right. And I got very excited. And I had to go and stolen Ronald's magic bag. <laughs> and you had to go and, and get it back. 
and you that kind of bird eye grimace which unlocked the professor and you went to these like five worlds and it was a, and there was a secret world that you could unlock if you found all the golden arches at nice. the end of the levels and it, it was like a bullseye platformer like I, I, I eventually I finished it but it, it took a while and then you had things like New Zealand Stories Bubble Bubble Rainbow, uh, Rainbow Island Robocod Oh uh, God, James Pond! <gasps> I love Robocard. I, I like uh, the second one. They've done a remake of that recently. Yeah, like uh, in HD. I, yeah, yeah. I've got, I got the, uh, I got the PS2 HD remake. Taking around a house somewhere. I'm sure they've done another one recently. Maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of the PS2 version. But it's, that's a stunner of a game. Yeah. No. I, and then, then I moved on to Nintendo. I got, I got an NES, and I got it. It came with the Mario and Duck Hunt. I also got Mega Man Four. Yeah, and I love the Mega Man games. They're beautiful. They all they all play very similar, but it's that familiarity that I think people that draws people to it. It is. I, I think I can do Mega Man Two in forty two minutes. I think Ooh, is my so record. Like <laughs> start to finish. I just I like how I just like the natural progression of that game. You kind of choose your own path by you know fighting the different going to different boss worlds and then you absorb their powers yeah. and they help you in later levels simple platforming and then they try to make him 3d and what tends to happen adam is is games from a certain era they'll go let's make it 3d oh we've ruined everything yeah <laughs> we've we've destroyed everything we've properly cock and balls this up i think mario is one of the very few and i'm sure i'll be shouted at for saying this one of the very few that made that gravity that that jump to 3d and actually improved upon the form. Yeah. And I'm a Sonic the Hedgehog boy, as we know, Adam. Oh, but Sonic Adventure. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. I don't and, know. And, and, and Sonic Heroes. Jesus <laughs> Christ, Sonic Heroes. My friend Maya will be watching this and listening to this and be livid when I say that Sonic Heroes isn't very good. It's trash. It's genuinely Ooh, it's awful. It's trash. And I just, oh, I, I, I really like them trying so hard. I tell you what upset me with Sonic Heroes was when it when I was working at game when it came out. By the way, are you really? cold are you cold? No, no, I'm That's good. fine, because I've got the I've got the aircon on because I get very hot. I think I'm just naturally warm blooded. Um because you are very hot. <laughs> I'm full ass, thanks mate. I don't wanna say I don't want to say anything, but uh appreciate I'll say it. it for you. Well thank you, darling. <laughs> um, but um with with the with, with the Sonic games, they they tried really hard to, to move them into three D. And it didn't work. It just doesn't. It didn't roll, and it was just there was there was bits about the Sonic games that just felt a bit crap in 3D. Yeah. And I and I and the fact that they have to, you know, the fact that Sonic Mania came out and everybody went revolution. So good. Thank you. Oh, wow. That's all we wanted. Yes. That's all we wanted all along. Just and give us that. And it's developed as well. Yeah. It's yeah because it's the it's Christian Whitehead. Yeah. Who did the he made fan games. I used to be in the Sonic fan game community. He used to make fan games in there. He then helped with the port of Sonic CD onto the onto the iPhone. Yeah, yeah. And Sega went, do you want to just do this? <laughs> like, yes, I do. Let me play with your things. Yeah, because there's a lot of weird Sonic games so as well. A lot of like... Have you played Sonic Fighters? Yes, I did. A, <laughs> I played it on. I played it on Twitch uh, last year, and I was like, "This is crap." Somebody got paid to make this. Like, it's just about a Sonic game. Like, it's barely a Sonic game. <laughs> And it's just, the, 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 the plot is the, the Planet Mobius is about to blow up, right? And it's such an anti-Sonic plot. Planet Mobius is about to blow up. There's a rocket with one seat in it. 
you fight for the one seat. Like, yeah. how anti-Sonic is that? I'm a freedom fighter. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to beat up Tails so I can get on the rocket ship. <laughs> That's not Sonic. Myself. Yeah, <laughs> selfish prick. It's not Sonic at all. No. Made me sad, but, but Sonic Mania is, the way I described it, it's a love letter yeah. to Sonic fans. It's a love letter and an apology to yeah. Sonic fans. <laughs> We put up with a lot. We put up with a lot of nonsense. And then, and then wrestling was the other one, which is, which is why we're here. And that brings us to our second match, sir, for your DVD. Yes. So we've had Kurt Angle Triple H from Rumble O One. What's your second one going to be? The final deletion. <laughs> yes. Why the final deletion? Wrestling is supposed to be ridiculous. Inherently and, bollocks. And, yeah, and Matt Hardy <laughs> and Kenny Forash took that idea and they ran with it. They did. So they, they, they read on the internet, oh, people think wrestling is getting a, a little bit ridiculous now, do they? Well, we'll fucking show them, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. And, and But it, it also really sort of put Matt Hardy back on the map. It did. So to speak. Because he's probably just like jumping off stuff all the time and, and being cool. And it, it's really hard to compete with that and and he did it and any any wrestling match where someone can go oh a dilapidated boat and we go <laughs> that is a dilapidated boat and that makes He's perfect right. sense yeah yeah and he, he built this universe and we got introduced to people like senior benjamin and the lake of reincarnation and it, it's the kind of match that if i had to explain it to the missus who's not a wrestling fan she'd break up with me on the spot <laughs> she yeah. He, he it's embracing the like, Are you high right now? <laughs> and I'm like, no, this all really happened. This is all a real thing that happened in real life on the telly box. When that match started, when that match was sort of being built towards and they had those videos on impact, like, ah, brother Nero, I knew you'd come. Yeah. Um, what was your first instinct on that when all that was starting to happen? When it first started, I hated it. I was like, this is mm. proper bollocks. Yeah. It's just silly bollocks. And, and then it, it grew on me. And, and then there's something like that beautiful, yet unexplainable, fatalistic determinism where you're like, well, it's happening. Let's, uh, mm. let's go with it. I can, I can fight this, or I can go, or I can roll with it and embrace it, and I'm going to roll with it. And then, I, and then I went down this massive rabbit hole and started watching reaction videos. As well, and those are nearly as good as a match. I think so many people, um, like yourself, were. Oh, this looks crap. This is Impact being a bit crap. They had a bit of a rep at this point. Did Impact? They were kind of going through a weird period where they were coming out of one era and entering another. Well, and they lost a lot of people, hadn't they? Yeah, they lost, Joe, they lost AJ, uh, Bobby Roode. I think had gone at this point. I think James Storm had come and gone back. Um, it was yes. Yeah, so did, 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 didn't you throw Mickey James on bridge? <laughs> yeah, no, he pushed her in front of a train. Yeah, <laughs> wrestling. Um, it, so there was it, a it, real... it all got really sort of like El Dorado Sunset Beach, didn't yeah. it? And on a budget as well, yeah. on a really tight budget because they were they were recording like block tapings of Impact because so this is kind of just as Impact is sort of starting to recover from a couple of real, um, really, really tough times. That like particularly. The, the the hiring of Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, which which I think uh, I'm doing some writing I'm writing something at the moment about the history of TNA wrestling and Impact wrestling. That and first Impact was just oh, doomed. 
it, as soon as Hogan came in, like the when he won six five, like that was that was the welcome. He just went, yeah. Remember your old ring? That was shit. Here's a real ring. Yeah, it's it's the moment he came in and just went. This is what you really want, and this is <laughs> like <clears throat> this is kind of my fear for places like AEW now, in the sense that. You you have such a, a burst in popularity and you have this influx of people from not your company, mm-hmm. whilst all the while you've been building up stars of your own. I, I get nervous from, you know, as we, we've been there, certain vintage and all that, where we've seen what happened with WCW, mm-hmm. where there was a mass influx of names and faces from other places that pushed everything down and it just ended up just driving the company down. TNA, Impact Wrestling, yeah. went through a thing where Hogan, Flair, the hundreds of characters from other places came in, just pushed all the other talent down. They buggered off. The whole place drove, drove down. Now we're seeing AEW, and it's an exciting time to be a fan because you're seeing guys like Adam Cole and Brian Danielson and, and John Moxley initially and Chris Jericho initially. And you're just seeing these names, Ruby Soho as well, at All Out, lest we forget. And or Christian Cage there now. Like, there's so many coming in. And you don't want... You, okay, now, please learn the mistakes of the past where no. you just let let your your actual talent that you've grown lift them with them. Yeah. Please. Because <laughs> otherwise it's all going to go wrong. They've been doing that so far. I was pleasantly yeah. surprised that the first person Punk called out was Darby Allen. That was a great call. That was. That's I'm really, really happy with that. Really good shout. And now he's doing stuff with Team Taz. Mm. Which I think is a, another really, really good shout. Yeah, so they're mixing it up. They're, yeah, I even didn't even mention Punk, but yeah, Punk's in there as well. That's, that's, that's what I mean. There's so many things happening in AEW right now. The the small matter of the return of CM, CM Punk, Punk was almost forgotten about by the end of the <laughs> night. Imagine imagine having a pay-per-view that's so hot and, and, and turns so many heads that by the end of the night, oh yeah, and CM Punk returned. Yeah, CM Punk was the first time. The in, small matter of the return of one of the biggest stars in wrestling, arguably. Because I'm sure we've both been people who were there, who, who are in, in the biz, right? Yeah. And, and um, I, I DM'd Tempest straight, straight after. Mm-hmm. I was like, so, how'd it go? <laughs> how'd it go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? And he's oh. like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so exciting, though, to be in that room, be a part of that. But to, to bring it back to, um, to the final deletion, so this is a point where TNA are having that sort of mass exodus, and yeah. they're putting stuff out there, and we're going, hey, and, and the final deletion was one of those. And like you say, you didn't quite scan with it first, did you? But no, then you, you let it breathe. They were throwing everything against the wall to see what, see what sticks. Mm. And this, for better or worse, stuck. And I, I, I remember it. And ultimately, that's when you know you've done something, something right. To this day, people, I still talk about it fondly. I still show it to people. If people go, oh, why do you like wrestling? I've got like a short list of things that I'll show people. Mm. Just like drive the point home as to how multifaceted wrestling can be if you if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. And and if, if I go, people go, wrestling's ridiculous. Like, I know, watch this. And I'll put on <laughs> Final Deletion. If I go, oh, it's a bit violent, I'll put on um, Channel 4's favourite match, uh, Cactus Jack Triple H on the, the Rumble. If I go, oh, it's fake, I'll put on um, Okada Omega from Wrestle Kingdom. I never want to see that top rope snap dragon again. As, as long as I as long as I live. It was a bit cringe, wasn't it? But not in a bad way, but in like, oh, can, yeah. you, can you please stop dying? That'd yeah, be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Thank that you. really helped me yeah. out. You could not die. 
it's um, best best moment in the final dilution. Is there a moment that made you made that you particularly remember when you talk about it? That you picture in your mind's eye. Ah, uh, the the dilapidated the the <laughs> oh. uh, the, the, birth, the on screen arrival of Scotch Guard. When you can get a boat over. And, and, and they did as well. <laughs> I got a boat over. I got what is clearly a reservoir over. It's like the Lake in reincarnation. <laughs> They were, it was so good that, that WWE ended up using it pretty much wholesale, which is very unheard of for WWE. Like, you come in and you, you go, here is, here is your outfit, here is your number, off you go. So for them to go, we're going to actually use this. We're going to try and do it our own way. So, like, we had, like, ultimate deletions and yeah. such well, within... They, they tried it with the Wyatt. They did the Wyatt compound. With oh, the new the... oh, that sucks. And it just didn't work. Didn't they also try uh, Wyatt Orton, the House of Horrors? <laughs> yeah. that, that... What a lovely house Bray Wyatt has. That, well, it, Doilies it everywhere. That, that was just a house in, I think it was in Ohio somewhere. Just the one they'd rented. Yeah, they just rented a house that was falling to bits. It was a bit half-hearted, a bit half-witted, wasn't it? It was. Well, it lacked that love that I think the 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 the, old, the final deletion had. The crowd hated it because it was up on the screen, and they, the yeah. crowd was just chanting "boring" through through the whole the whole thing. And that that Orton Wyatt feud was a bit pants. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was because they'd seen how popular the final deletion was. They'd gone, we want a bit of that action. But they they, they kind of just thought, oh, okay, so they're wrestling matches on a set. But they hadn't factored in, like, the, the love and the silliness and the passion and the energy, which they didn't have. Yeah, they, they, they took it and made it sort of like a bit wanky. They, wanky, they, yeah. <laughs> That's basically they, what they, they did. Yeah, yeah. And, what and they, they, what they'd have gone, like, proper nonsense ridiculous. Like, I think that's why the Firefly Funhouse got over originally, because it was just completely ridiculous. Yeah. It, was, it, it fell into, I think the Latin term is reductio ad absurdum, where you take a Beautiful. fantasy and blow it completely out of proportion. I like Just that. to prove how, how much of a fantasy it is. And everyone goes, oh, that's amazing. More of this, um, more of this, please. I think low-key, one of the better signings that WWE made in the last... 18 months or so was probably a bit more that was probably Jeremy Borash mm -hmm. so when they brought Borash over from Impact to to, to to he was doing some like live show stuff because I remember one of the last wrestling shows I went to before the world caught fire was uh, NXT UK in York went to a taping in York was that uh, the one Eddie Dennis Trent Seven yeah that, that was fight, it yeah that sickening burning hammer that, off the was, that was the one yeah, yeah. It was a, that, was a, that was the last match of the night and it was a deserved main event. It was very, very good. That, that, I, I, I know Eddie, and I, I that messed his shoulder up. Something, something. Is, is he all right? Because I worry about Eddie Dennis. I feel like <laughs> I feel like quite often he's he's on the injured list, and and he's so good. Like he's such a good orator that that if he ended up just saying, do you know what? I'm I'm I keep getting hurt and rested. I'm probably gonna trans trans transfer into something else. He'd be all right. Yeah, I, I think he'd make a good trainer. I can see I him becoming so. sort of like a Matt Bloom like character. But like his he like his role at the moment on NXT UK is sort of like the the leader of of the gang of this of of like Rampage and not Rampage Primate and T Bone. Uh, for me, while before he got hurt, like it's a good role. Like it fits him well, and I just worry that 
it might be something he's forced to do because I feel like quite often he's getting injured. <laughs> it's because he's taking Bernard Howard off stages. Of course, I mean, it is the, it's, 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 the, it's, it's no one's thought but him. I mean, if you want to, if you want to last long in your career, take less burning hammers off the stage. I think that's what we've what we've all learned from this. But uh, but uh, that show, Borash was there. Like we saw him running yeah. around, like doing the doing some technical stuff. But I, then when the world shut down, he was because I I I, I got offered. Tickets and couldn't, What's couldn't, couldn't make it. Yeah, oh, yeah. mate, we could have met years before. Yeah, yeah. That'd have been lovely. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I got a lot of kind of restless starting following me after after the mastermind thing. And yes, so that, that's how I how I met people. I am going to um, Red Pro on the nineteenth. Ooh, nice Rev Pros. There's there's some. They've been doing some good stuff. Rev Pro. They got a bit of heat in 2019 uh, over the stuff with uh, what are their referees. Uh, but they seem to be coming back from that, and they're putting on some decent stuff. Yeah, no, I, I know the guy who's repping this. Um, yeah, this one because I'm going with um, Andy Danson from uh, behind on the other side of that. Ne- door. Ne- never heard of him. Never, never heard, heard of him. him. No. <laughs> if you say his name three times, he appears behind you. What's best? Let's let's not say it again. Um, no. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Do you go to a lot of live stuff then? I've obviously no one's been to any live stuff in about 18 months, yeah. but have you been to a lot of live shows not, in the past? Not, not as much as I'd like to. Yeah. I'm going to make a real effort because I'm, I'm in London. I'm near York Hall and I'm near... Um, the uh, it's, it's the cockpit where they do some of the, it's the um, cockpit, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm near there as well, and I, I know enough people to be able just to like walk walk in and and stuff. Mm. So I'm I'm going to make a real conscious effort now. The world is getting back to normal to see more live wrestling and more live comedy. Brilliant. And I think we've all learned a lot in the past couple of years, and I, I'm making a real conscious decision to a be more present. 
rather than present. So, so yeah. you know, spending less time doom scrolling on the phone and more time having deep and thoughtful conversations like the one we're having, but also just to do things that bring my soul joy. And sometimes we all get too caught up in the rat race that we forget to take a step back and do things that bring our, our soul joy. And I think if that's the one thing that we can all learn from the past two years, it almost might have been slightly worth it. Yeah, because we've all had a, we all had our own sort of weird, like different but shared experience in the last eighteen months or whatever it was when everything shut down. Um, I know you had your, you you were you were very much a force of good online um, because you were very much always sort of sp- sp- like you know cheering people on and pushing people along with, with the sort of thoughtful pros and just even just sometimes the message just going, you've got this today. Like it's stuff like that really when you're having a rough day. Like I, I take a lot of that from you where I, if I'm having a bad day, I will put out something positive into the world. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm having a bad day, if I can help somebody else have a better day, then that's, that's kind of the job done. But it's also okay to acknowledge that you're not having a good day. I think very often mm. when we, we, we polarise our emotions into good and bad, and, and, and in, in, in a way they are, but I think just because an emotion is, is bad or you're feeling sad, it doesn't mean you don't sit in that and acknowledge that, and that it, it's not, you shouldn't avoid it. Sometimes it, it, it's always okay not to feel okay. Yeah, and this is something I, I've, I've learned with with age, and it's something I very much picked up from my best friend Roxy, um, who, who's like a real crier, like Toy Story three, Jesus Christ, nearly destroyed her. Oh bless! And, and, and I used to look at things like that and think, oh, you're ridiculous. And but now I've learned that that's like a really emotionally healthy thing to do, and if something makes you feel sad, I think it's okay to acknowledge that sit in that, work through that, and then move on from that. Rather than, and I think it's a very male thing to do, to kind of suppress your emotions and, and be like, and I think it comes down to a, a slightly walk through of manhood, where we look at how women behave and think, oh, well, men are the opposite of women, so whatever they do, we'll do the opposite. Urgh, lads on tour. Lads, 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 lads. Yeah. A lot of it, I think, comes from um, sort of a... A, a passion to be uh, like in control or like a, or a support mechanism. Like for me, like from my dad, like my dad's always been like the, the he was, he's always been the leader of the household. Mm-hmm. So like my, like if there's problems, then my dad will solve them. And I always aspire to be like my dad Yeah, in same. the sense when my dad was, my dad was my hero. Yeah. That's it. And because, so therefore you aspire to be like that. And, and it's and it sucks when you feel like and, and what it does that when you when you are faced with situations that maybe are out of your out of your control, you you feel like you're not being your dad. But then like you probably think, well, I'm sure my dad dealt with stuff like that, but just suppressed it. I'm choosing to not suppress it and, and yeah. be a bit more vocal about it. Was your dad very much one of those that suppressed? Does he does he very much suppress like? Feelings? Uh, oh no, my dad is always very upfront with his um, yeah. with his feelings. Mainly anger and disappointment. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, my dad's confused. I, I'm joking. No, we were always we've always been really open as as a family, and I hmm. think we also developed this really macabre sense of humour about about things when things go wrong. 
we we deal with it, but we deal with it in a in a certain way that made it strange to outsiders because it's dealt with in like a very matter of fact way. I don't think you necessarily need to sugarcoat everything. So, mm. because people do tend to sugarcoat situations to make them palatable rather than analysing it, talking about it directly, and then finding a a, a solution. Yeah. And I think we, when we when we're confronted with problems or when struggles come, approaches should always be solution orientated, and should always be looking outwards and forwards, hmm. rather than inwards and downwards. That makes sense. Yeah, and and not enough people, I think, even now really do that. So it's it's kind of healthy. And I also like with you know with a lot of things that that your family have faced and you face. I think you have to be. You have to have that attitude about it. Otherwise, it could I, I swallow your whole. Teach, I don't think we teach it enough. I don't think we yeah. teach resilience. No. And, and I think um, this idea that nothing, if something goes wrong in life, that's the end of it. Like, things will go wrong in life. There's no dogma mm. or doctrine in the world that says otherwise. And it, it's, not, it's not... And also, failure is an inevitable part of progress. Yes. Whenever you do something new, yeah, you'll fail. As long as you're not making the same mistakes, mm. as long as you're not falling into the um, Einstein's definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result, rock on. It, it's how we learn. Fail, get up, dust yourself off, and fail better mm. the next time. Can you recall a time where you failed and then failed better? I balls up at secondary school. I I was not a good secondary school pupil. And and granted, I was being bullied about yada, yada, yada. Though I also didn't handle it well and have to take accountability for my own actions as as um, part of that. Mm. But again, it's one of those things, hindsight's a, a beautiful thing, is, is it not? Oh, it's easy to look back and go, ah, oh, I should have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I went to a... Um, a college where not many people from my secondary school were going. Mm. I had to do like an extra year, I had to do like a GMBQ, so they let me on to A-level. And you, and then when you get to that age, kind of from around 16, 17 up until 25, I reckon those are super formative years. I think the person you become then mm. is more than likely who you're going to be become for the rest of your life. So make sure it's a good person. Yeah, not, not perfect, but as long as you can kind of, you know, you got the bare bones of what you'll be by yeah. that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as long as you can, you know, as long as you can sleep at night and look yourself in the mirror and be like, yeah, because I, I think um, I always say the implicit duty of every human is to leave this world a better place. Yeah. Than when they when they arrive there. If you do nothing else, leave it better than you found it. Mm-hmm. I think that's all you can. Uh, yeah, when, whenever I go in, because I do a lot of um, school assemblies, like anti-bullying stuff, the uh, the kids look wonder is in a lot of um, year four curriculums now in English. So I go in and do do stuff on that as well. And when when I go in and talk to like older older pupils, because it, it's what I'm about to unpack is quite loaded for younger pupils. Yeah. But with older pupils. It's like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I want to be famous, I want to be a, a YouTuber. And all, all noble and great, mm. whatever you want to be, you know, decide what to be, go be it, but put the work in and make sure you, you know how to get there, have, have a plan. But also, how do you want to be remembered? What's the, the legacy? What's the ultimate end goal? 
Mm. And I have made teenagers write their own obituaries. Wow. That's powerful, though. It's a load of things. Yeah. I think it was like Neil deGrasse Tyson says that he's not afraid of dying because the the certainty of death is what gives him the focus to do what he wants to do while he's alive. Because he knows it's, you know, we we all know it's going to come to all of us, so let's just throw ourselves into everything now. You want want to get one crack at this? Yeah. That's true. It's true. And you can either be upset with the hands that you dealt and the cards that you dealt, or you can just go... uh, Laugh your ass off. you (laughs) You can throw the cards up somebody's bum and just crack on with the day. I'm intrigued just about the acting thing because we've not touched on it because you went to Brighton Uni to do yeah. business. Uh, yeah, I've got business S- economics. Nicely done. But So what was the plan at that point before acting came along? What were you going to yeah. do? I'd always wanted to work in TV. I'd always been fascinated by TV. Yeah. I was just like an entertainment medium but also the nuts and bolts and, and the mechanics behind it and how, how it works. And what the what the ecosystem behind the machine actually is. A friend of my dad's used to work at the BBC, and we got to go and see Live and Kicking. Ah, oh, wow! What a treat! Uh, and you know, you had Trevor and Simon walking around, Andy Peters, Emma Forbes, um, John Barman, penis in. Um, <laughs> thankfully, on this occasion. Thankfully. thankfully. <laughs> oh, what's that tapping on the shoulder? I hope it's just my dad. <laughs> oh, thank Christ, it was just my oh, dad. Thank... <laughs> what's that on the other shoulder? Oh, God! No! Barry, oh, no! Oh, you're not funny, John. <laughs> <laughs> Touch wood. No, don't no. make me. No. no not <laughs> it's that. torch wood. Not Damn that wood. Not that wood. <laughs> oh. oh, it's funny because um, he is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was. So you went to see live and kick in the legends of Trevor and Simon. And then I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to do this. But then it's competitive, hmm. and it had to be plan B. Also had to be like cracking. Always have a plan B. Always have a fallback. Always have something you can do to to pay the bills. Yeah. And so I thought I'm going to get like super educated business economics, a lot of really transferable skills, transferable knowledge. Probably not going to change any anytime soon. Because mm. if I learned science, half of what I'd learned at science A level would probably be wildly disproven now. Yeah, because because it moves on so much. Yeah, yeah. Like so my, like... my best friend Roxy's um, doing a multidisciplinary PhD mm. in, um, at UCL, and we we go sometimes we go back to some of our old old papers, and we're like, yeah, this is all wrong. It's yeah. all wrong now. When I wrote it, this was cutting edge. And now, literally bollocks. Alex has got these amazing books from when she did her, her NCJ. And they're all booked on, like, the guides to law and media law. And and the amount that has changed in such, in, in comparatively a short amount of time. Like, these these books are just, they're, you know, they're... They're, they're for they're fire they're they're for log fires now. Yeah. Like because because the because the the parameters have changed so much through the the advent of YouTube and podcasting and stuff like that and like a, a lot of stuff that wrestling um, websites do because a lot of you know wrestling websites is kind of news aggregators and and even Alex has said like that sets me on edge that there's that you there's sites like yourselves and that that do news aggregating because like you're kind of going this person has said this. What if that's not the case? You know, and, and is citing them enough to get you out of bother? 
And it's like, well, yeah. it's kind of that's kind of the the way of things. And it's just it's just like it was. Alex was was great to have during um, the Me Too movement when all when that went on uh, last year because it's a case of I've got because I was we were all working from home at that point and. I was kind of the one that was doing the news bulletins with the updates from the Me Too mm. movement. Uh, not Me Too, sorry, the Speaking Out movement. Yeah. Um, how, how, you know, do I say this name? Don't yeah, I say that's name? it. So, Where's the line between aggregation and... and aggra- of, aggravation. Did, did this person actually actually say... Because even now, if you look online, you'll, mm. you'll have a lot of the, the big guys going, uh, just so you know, I've never written an article about Sami Zayn. Mm. Or, or, or what have you. Well, that's it. And, and, and <laughs> I, I, I really feel for them. I think Sean Ross Sapp is one of the most misquoted people oh, yeah. in, in wrestling journalism. But he's, but that's what you're up against. And with especially with, with you've got to be so careful because the speaking out movement isn't just a case of we've misquoted somebody whose contract is up. Like this this is something that could yeah. be career I, damaging. Yeah, yeah, I've called this person a rapist. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So like, it came to a point where like the, we would just go right. We're just we're not going to read cases. We're not going to we're not going to sort of when, even even if they are found like if you know if there's a lot of people online that are saying this person, this person, this person, we're not going to bring that up. We can only deal with what we can deal with. I.e., we can mention the fact that these three wrestlers have been suspended from WWE because they put out a a press release to announce it. So we can talk about stuff like that and we can deal with stuff like that and we can say... Uh, this wrestler has been stripped of this title and this, and, but without going into the, the, the deeper detail. Because, but then when you do that, the comments are filled with, you haven't talked about this person. You haven't talked about this person. Why aren't you mentioning this person? Why are you protecting this person? And it's like, well, there's only so much that we can say. Really yeah. And, and, and yeah. Alex was amazing with this because a few mornings, like mo- most mornings of the week, I just go, like, this is what I'm saying. These are the details I've got. Like, is this going to fly? And yeah. and with her background, she is able to go. From my understanding, yeah, you, that that looks pretty. Yeah, how, that looks how, pretty how transparent. Word this in a way. Yeah, but it gets the information across, but doesn't ten, inadvertently and tangentially yeah. lead somewhere somewhere else. How can we separate causation and correlation? Exactly, and yeah. that's such a fine line to walk. Even you know, even though there were some real wrong ones, um, we oh, had to yeah, be no, careful. No, that. You and have I, to be careful because you kind of yeah. want the, the, the law to handle all that and you just need to report on the bits. But, but you know, to, to say like, like a business course like which you would have took would have even if you if you'd gone down that road and done more stuff in that field yeah. as your friend Roxy has done, like it need updating on the regular. Oh, on the regular, yeah, and, um, and even in TV as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Ed, Ed Paul is a is a real, mm. real thing. It is. And I, I I love Ed Paul. I'm a, I'm a stickler for the rules. Because if I know what the rules are, if I know what my parameters are, I know how I can get right up. Yeah. Actually, and I, I like getting close to the edge. Not because I'm I'm a miscreant or I don't respect editorial policy or or laws or or what have you, but I just think it. It keeps things interesting. Yeah. And I, I miss the good old days of risk taking <laughs> in, in TV. You should see the uncut version of this and, and how far to the envelope Adam has gone in this. It's awful. <laughs> it's it's the, just awful. It's the best. <laughs> and it's all true. <laughs> I disagree. I think what you said about Emma Forbes was wrong, which I cut out. <laughs> I think there's no evidence of what she, she did. She's she, she, she probably. 
<laughs> I do like. I did have a thing for Emma Forbes. I, I, I really liked Emma Forbes. I did. I did. I did. I did. So, um, so, but so you've been to see Live and Kicking. You're intrigued in like the behind the scenes yeah. and stuff. So, where do we? Where, where, how do we get into acting? Oh, acting was a real. Um, I I fell into acting. I fell into TV. Um, yeah. Truth be told, the BBC used to have this scheme called the Extend Scheme, where they recruit specifically for disabled candidates. Mm. And I applied for a job at Six Music and came second. And then you get that sort of um, cut-paste email, we really enjoyed meeting you <laughs> and we'll keep your details on file for, for other things. And then I, I wrong and I think, yeah, of course. Show me this file. Of course you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I know the BBC. You don't have files. <laughs> it's, it's true. You just about have coffee. I <laughs> <laughs> see. That reminds two, me. I need to buy days, some on the way in. <laughs> two days later, I get a phone call saying, "Hey, we've had this job come up in commissioning management. Oh, are you interested?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah." Thinking they'd be like, "Okay, we'll send you the form." Yada yada yada. Mm. And I'm like, "Great, your interview's tomorrow." And I go like that. And I like, nail it. Get, get, ultimately get the job. It's a good feeling when you nail an interview in mm. it. Like when you come out and you go... And you, know, and you just know it went well. Did it. Did it. Done the, the, done the, done the thing. Well, because they, 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 back at the time they told you who was going to be interviewing you. And then I hit Google really hard. <laughs> I'm that guy. So I know... I don't necessarily go, oh, I've Googled you. But I read it and I sort of like weave it in. So you know what they're looking for, don't yeah. you? You, yeah, you yeah. kind of... But you also know how to... Meet what I'm looking for and polish their egos. So much of an interview, and I think this is a good lesson. Again, something that isn't taught. So much of a, of, of getting a job is just nailing the interview. Yeah. I know people that that have been bad at a job, but got the job because they're brilliant at interviews. Mm. You know, and I know people who are who are overqualified for some positions, but because they don't quite get the interview right, yeah. they get passed over. So yeah, well, if nothing else, learn to interview. <laughs> yeah, my, my, my brother had that. He didn't interview well. Mm. And he was going for jobs and getting interviews for things that he was more than qualified to do. Like standing on his head like there was a qualified. Mm -hmm. And then we were all like, why isn't he getting jobs? Why, why is he? And then I just did like a mock interview with him. Yeah, And I was like, so, how would you ingratiate yourself into a new team, Neil? And he just looked at me and went, turn up on time and work hard. And that, that was the end of his answer. Oh, and I was like, oh, okay. I see where the you problem is. You can't bullshit. That's what's going wrong here. Because oh. I, I got asked that question. So, how, would you, how did you answer that question? I, well, when I got answered it, I, I panicked. I, I panicked. I couldn't think of an answer that I thought they'd want to hear. Mm. So in that situation, you either ask them to repeat the question to buy yourself some time, or you throw out a one-liner, and while they're cracking up at the one-liner, that gives you time to kind of have a, like, you know, reboot and think of the answer. It's like and a so, smoke bomb you're throwing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A flash bomb, they, from the old uh, war film. So I, I said I'd bring in Harry Bow. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good flash bomb. That is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing Haribo, and then you, and then whilst they're laughing and guffawing, yeah, yeah, yeah. your brain, your brilliant yeah, yeah. mind you, is going ding 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 ding. Feel to through it all, and be like, what do people like? And I'm just like, no. Ultimately, you you rock up, you you do the job, you're nice to people, you get the first round in, Friday drinks, and and hopefully all hopefully all that checks out, and and what have you, and yeah, they are. Uh, they must have liked it because they hired me. Yeah. 
And then you're on like the power floor of TV with all the commissioners and channel heads. The hoi polloi. And yeah, yeah. And I knew I was on a six month contract. And I was like to my boss, Aunt Mary, who I'm still really good friends with. I was like, I'm going to do my job. Mm. But just so you know, I'm going to do a lot of networking. Yeah. Because I'm never going to get this chance again. And she was like, I'd be angry if you didn't. Mm. And I was like, amazing. Here's a list of people I'm going to email. <laughs> good for you. Is this a good idea? And she was like, eh, yeah. And we, we agreed. Because the worst they could do is email back and be like, no, you're a dickhead. I've lost nothing in that intro. I, I know that already. That's the right? best thing. And once you learn that there is nothing to lose from sending an email, there is n the worst thing yeah. that'll happen is you won't get a reply. Mm. And, and even then, like... Nobody dies? Yeah, no, no. Nobody no, no. dies. Well, unless the person you've emailed has died. And they might have died. That might have been why they've not emailed back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They might have died. In which case, one person has one died. One person has died. And on a, they on a planet and, of billions, and, and, though. And, and they can't help my career anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just send another one and hope they don't die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, but then I came into work one day. I think I was both late and hungover. Wearing a Marvel superheroes T-shirt that was a size too big for me, so a friend had brought me back from strong LA. Look. Very, very strong look. And I get in a lift with this guy. I had no idea who he was. And I, I do the old elevator pitch. You know, you introduce yourself and talk about who you are, why you're here, what you're working on. Yeah, you're a little bit bad with the lift. Yeah, yeah, Danny Cohen, <laughs> top boy at BBC <laughs> yeah, Three. Yeah, yeah. As you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a top boy at what was BBC Three. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So you, you so, and, and this is this is why it's always, again, it comes back to all of this. It's all fundamental to don't be a dick. Because you never know who you can end up having a chat with in the lift. And it was Danny Cohen from BBC Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what, and then from that, did Danny Cohen reach back out and go, hey, Marvel boy. Yeah. Uh, he, it's a TV yeah, well, show. He, he sent me to Betty. He sent me to Liz Warner's company. Right. So it was meant to be two weeks work experience. But then became four weeks, then became two months. I then developed an idea that got commissioned by Channel 4, along with a new creative director, Walter Uzzolino. They then brought me on as a, a researcher. I went straight from work experience to researcher and missed out that whole go get my coffee bitch runner. <laughs> you did just divide, yeah, all that you jump over. That, that level. They then kept me around for on and off for six years doing on data rules. I then got tricked to the restaurant trade. It was when I was casting series two of the on data rules, I applied for the under the skin role right. as a joke. <laughs> I, I, then, I then landed that and off the back of that. So off the back of that, we got the idea for the freak show documentary for BBC mm. Three, because when it came out in America, I got a, a recent message from Todd Ray, who at the time, ran the Venice Beach Freak Show. Right. Saying, hey, just seeing you under the skin, if you're ever out in LA, let me know. I'd love to work with you. And I'm like, hi, Todd. Thank you very much for your kind message. I have no actual skills that would benefit your establishment. Yeah. Here is my mother's phone number. She will verify. I have no skills whatsoever. <laughs> what a strange conversation. Kind of what's over. And then I told the head of development at the time, Dan, Dan Glue, um, again, a lovely guy, in the pub. And he, he just went, you should do it. And I was like, but, but it's exploitation of disabled people. What are you talking about? And he's like, if you work there for one night and you make a shitload of money, who's really being exploited? Who's really being exploited? That's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so we made this documentary about the history of freak shows in, in the UK. We travelled around the world to meet various performers. 
um, both in like reality TV and actual, you know, Vegas. I, I went and stood on Greenmont Street in Vegas on Halloween and just did photo ops. And they didn't have seen a lot of money in, in not a lot of time. What did you spend the money on? Vega bombs. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's a that's that's a good shout, actually. That's a good shout from 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 your man, who's like, who's really being exploited here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably. But also, exploitation is just a, another way of saying use. Mm-hmm. And and I think as long as it's me exploiting my disability and not other people exploiting my disability, you're allowed to exploit it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm okay with it. If other yeah. people do, like, every now and then, um, I'll have an old photo of me put on Facebook. And it'll be like, today's his birthday, and no one wished him happy birthday because of his face. <sighs> one like equals one prayer. Like, comment, share. And it'll get like two million shares and what have you. And they call it like farming, but I'll get a certain amount of traction mm. behind a Facebook page and sell it. And it happened, I think it happened like 21 times in one year. I think 2017 it happened 21 times. There's a really grim thing that did the rounds for a while, and I ended up unfriending loads of people where it would be a picture of somebody, you know, tra- traditionally considered undesirable, and it would say, like, um, uh, tag Steve and say, your girlfriend's trying to reach you, or something like that. Yeah. And it's and that's like farming, isn't it? That's yeah. just people just sort of... And, it, and it's just... it's. It's also really fucking shitty and tiring. So, like, where, like, is there a legal ramification from that? Can you, can you, I, I, can I you sue with, these pieces I, of shit? I, I, I dealt with it in a very Adam Pearson way. The, the photo they were using was one that they took when I did an article for the People, mm-hmm. um, the People magazine, back when I was twenty-two. So I, I called down and I bought the rights to the photo. What? So then you messaged them and said, thanks very much, you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like you know, you, you send out a lot of cease and desist. Yeah. Um, and that, that gets done on Facebook. Someone did it on Twitter. That's great. And, and, I, and I, I, did a, I, I, I did a video reply going, um, hey, just you know, it's not my birthday. You should probably delete this. But if you don't, you know, things happen. Um, yeah. Love you. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, 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 then, and then the comments are sort of just sort of, oh my God, he's doing that. <laughs> That's a cool like Loads of people I haven't met go, yeah. and I don't get a message from this account going, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I've deleted it. I've deleted it. And I'm just like, you're not sorry, are you? No. Are you're sorry you, you got caught. You're not you're sorry you did it. it. Yeah. Yeah, you'll do yeah, yeah. you'll do something similar with another picture tomorrow, mm-hmm. like that's like, and that's always the thing when people say, "Oh, I'm sorry." You're not sorry at all. You're sorry you got caught doing it. Sorry you got rumbled. Yeah. But I but I think that that's a true testament to you and anybody that that knows you. And I see you do it all the time. Is that you do? There is the Adam Pearson way of dealing with stuff <laughs> like that, and it is in, it's incre- It's like watching a flower bloom. Some days, like to, when somebody comes at you with something and the way that you handle it, and you very publicly just sort of t- take these real nasty souls online and you just you, you just you just pull their roses off bit by bit and it's and it's deserved <laughs> it's yeah. it's truly um, deserved yeah. like I, I, the anon- the anonymity of facebook is some- and twitter is something that, that truly upsets me because it's people who with no with no fear of ramification can just be an asshole to people yeah and i i i, I tend to gun it down yeah as, as and when i can 
But I, I've also made mistakes. I, I'm, I'm no angel. I think, and I know, I, no, I get it because when, when you've got stuff like that, and you're kind of your brain is tuned to people just coming out randomly at you, then you are going to sometimes misstep and go, actually, I misinterpreted that. Well, it's like you misinterpreted. It was. Um, there was that whole should we ban the poem fairy tale of New York from yeah. the radio because it has that word in it. That's every year that. And oh yeah yeah yeah. And and I I satire and sarcasm don't translate on Twitter, but also don't translate across um geographical boundaries. No. Um, particularly America, and particularly fans of female rappers from Queens, because mm. <laughs> one of the things I suggested was a certain rapper no longer rapping about a certain wet-ass part of her... Oh! Um, I, I, I name-dropped two rappers. Cardi B. And I, I, she was one I name-dropped. Mm -hmm. Cardi B, her fans aren't as, as vicious. I didn't name-drop someone else. I'll tell you off there, because I, oh, I, okay. can't, I can't do that again, Tom. That was, <laughs> that was two, two weeks of my life. Was it Emma Forbes? Spent being yelled at by Emma Forbes. <laughs> <laughs> that, the Emma Forbes fans, I swear to God... They're like Zig and Zag fans. They're just uh, intolerable. So, and, and you just had to deal with that, didn't you? You just had yeah. to, to roll with that. Um, yeah. But that's it. That's sometimes you do but, but then misread people, it. But then, in, in, in the day you're like, this is awful. Mm. But then people, people move on. Yeah. Like, Internet Trolls, bless them, are fickle with short attention spans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in the main. And eventually, they'll, they'll get over it. It moves. Twitter moves on so quick. It, it, it genuinely does. It does. Like, like it's it's one We're thing. Like, if you worry about something, an interaction, normally within twelve hours, it's so far buried down the timeline. Yeah, yeah. But it was also, to my mind, not a controversial opinion. That no, we shouldn't play vulgarity. We shouldn't play on on wax in the studio and in your own time, rock and roll. Mm. But on like a public service, on on, it's never getting played on Radio One, is it? The uncensored version of. Of any any no. song, like you're not going to put straight out of Compton on CBBS. I <laughs> kind of wish you would. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe when I retire, <laughs> that'll be my swan song. I think that's how you go out, mate. It is. It is. <laughs> but yeah, but the, the internet is um, <laughs> it's great. I, I I love and hate social media at the same time. Yeah, there's a, the, there's a lots to love. There, there's, well, lots there's to... a play called The Internet is Serious Business. Yeah, that demonstrates that. Really well. It's about the guy who I got to um, care how to describe this um, in case because I can't say his name, but I know him. A while ago, there was a, a online radio interview where someone live on it hacked the Westwood Baptist Church website. Oh, okay. It's like him. I think I know who you mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I can't. I can't remember his name anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're fine. Um, we need to get one more match in, but we before do. we do, very quickly, as well as three wrestling matches, you're allowed to take with you to the island a movie, an album, and a luxury item. Ooh, so what? Off the top of your head, Adam, what would be the movie? The movie would probably be, be Under the Skin, starring. Adam no, Pearson, Scarlett Johansson. I, 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 <laughs> how many times I've seen that movie. <laughs> Mate, I don't blame you. If I was in a movie with next to Scarlett Johansson with my kit off, I'd watch it all the time. <laughs> um, I, uh, 
Uh, what I a know, day! I know you would. It's um, <laughs> I, I was talking about this in the, <laughs> in the pub because I met with Petiti, Kaibantine, and everyone on on Friday. Mm. And um, and because I because because film I'm technically on Pornhub, and me and Kyle wow. were talking about it, going, "Oh, you're on Pornhub with Scarlett Hansen. And Petiti generally thought it was a gag. Mm. Like, we, we were making this up. No, and no, then, you are. Like, oh, oh, I mean, yeah, you might be on Pornhub. And you're like, hang around, this, this happened. I'm like, yeah, yeah, genuinely happened. He's like, oh, that's really, that's really cool. Do you get a little kickback from that? From... Nah, not Because I know, didn't Pornhub go through a thing where, like, they, they binned off, I didn't know this because I read the article, stop it, um, where they where a lot of porn that had been uploaded without the rights of the they copyright owner. It, yeah, so it was, it was like, like Pornhub Mageddon. It was like Thanos so, of the porn so, industry just... So technically, I've watched more than all of Pornhub now. You've basically watched <laughs> all of Pornhub now. I've completed it. Since, <laughs> Pornhub, <laughs> completed it's been, it, it's been a long two years, mate. Lockdown was tough. <laughs> <laughs> we had to do something. <laughs> Nights were long and dull. Um, so, movie then. Sorry, if it's not under the skin, then what would it be? Probably... I want to take something chilling in the light. I can't take something... Come on, we've like thrown a big heavy. smoke bomb down now. We sh you should have had time. Yeah, yeah. No, to uh, <laughs> Toy Story. Toy Story! The first one. Mm -hmm. Nice, okay. Why the first one? I think it's a real transitional moment in how Disney as a company ran. And it's a, it's a really transformative film that has paved the way mm. for so many other um, amazing films that we otherwise either wouldn't have gotten... Or yeah. would have gotten less good, and I, I think the way Pixar work and the culture that they managed to create when uh, Steve Jobs came in mm -hmm. um, is what between Steve Jobs transformed the culture and that film, it single-handedly saved Pixar. And also, it's just a cracking film. It's a lovely film. It's a lovely well. film about kind of friendship and, and innocence and childhood. Mm. And I, I love it. I have a real soft spot for Toy Story. What about an album? Hybrid Theory, Lincoln Park. Oh, straight in there. Nice one. Uh, your thoughts on the remix album they did? Reanimation is garbage. Oh, wow. Harsh. I don't like it at all. I didn't think it was that bad. I, I'm, I'm not, I, remix albums tend not to work. Mm. There aren't that many that I like. I can't think of one that I like. Because they, they did one, the Limp Biscuit one, New Odd Songs, is is worse mm. what's a song from hybrid theory that will get you hyped in the end track oh, eight nice straight in there with the big hit how about a luxury item it's very desert island discs this yeah. part not that this concept is ripped off no, no, from no. desert also, island we, discs we have a luxury because <laughs> I, I we can, you know, I, I, I do not take a boat so I can get off the island when I get bored. You can't but just that, have a that, boat. People always go, can I have an item that gets me off the island? No, you're no, stuck I, there I, 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 until I, I, I say so. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to take a book. I'm going to take, nice. I'm going to take Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, that, why that particular one out of all the I, others? I, I, I think canonically, in terms of storyline, world building, and extrapolation. It's by far the most important. Mm. I feel like you'd write some good fiction. I think one and two set up the world really well. Mm. I think three sets up the saga exquisitely well. Yeah. That's a nice shout. That's a nice shout. Because one and two, Voldemort's been nothing more than, than, than a whisper, a threat, and an echo. Mm. And it's not until the third one where you realise Scarrow is piece of head of you and it goes from being like a, a, a sort of like approaching menace to like, no... 
you know, he's here. Lord Voldemort, baby. <laughs> he turned up it all out and yeah, yeah, yeah. super kick Jungle Boy. <laughs> but you also, you only, you only sort of roughly heard of Azkaban and the horrors of other dimensions, and then they rock up and you see them. It unpacks Harry's um, lineage really well with the Patronus and and uh, Prongs, who is James Potter, his father, and there's there's so much going on. In that book, but but it does it in a way where it's spaced and it's and it's told in such a manner yeah. that it rewards you in books to come. Yeah, and it, has, and it has room to breathe. Yeah, and, and it, also Professor Lupin is my favourite character. In, in I think the, the whole entire... idea that the book set out as like the Prisoner of Azkaban is the is is going to be the the antagonist, and it turns out well actually that's not the case at all. No, but, but it sets it up as if that's what it's going to be, and then it's not. And I quite like how they do that. Yeah. Um, incidentally, Voldemort turning up and super kicking Jungle Boy. John! Thanks, John. John's our Photoshop guy. He'll just, fr- flights of fancy, yeah. he'll pull that together for us. Yeah, yeah, thanks, no, John. No. It'll be great. Cheers, John. I, I, I know we only did a Smackdown review on the Raw review, but if he's listening to this, John! Thanks, John. Uh, your final match, sir! Your final match. So, we've had the final, des- the final, um, the final deletion. We have. We've had Angle and Triple H from Royal Rumble 01. The third and final match, Adam Pearson, what will it be? Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon, Street Fight, King of the Ring. You picked some bellas for 01. A yeah, lot of Kurt Angle stuff as well. Good, yeah, I'm, a huge Kurt Angle fan. I'm getting a vibe oh, that you're a Kurt Angle boy. Like massive Kurt Angle guy. And, and, and I, I, I knocked this because I've got three matches. I thought about this is genuinely, thinking of these three matches, has genuinely taken up several weeks of my life. <laughs> I like this. Normally, whenever we get, when the guests that come on, they'll always, when they really dig into the, the format, they'll go, I've spent weeks on this and yeah. I struggle with it. It's like, brilliant. That's what we want. That's what we want to really boil it down. But, but why has this one gone over so many others? So the match holds up, it even does. today. However, what I love more than the match itself is the mythos around the match. Mm-hmm. The, the, oh, they put the wrong kind of glass in, and both men got like, injured really early on and still powered through. And when Angle first throws Shane and the glass doesn't break, Angle's like, going to call the spot off. And Shane's like, trying really hard to get pussy. And just, just the, you know, <laughs> the stories behind it are just so good. And, and also, it sort of really appeals to my kind of barbaric nature. <laughs> like, every, every now and then, I want to be like, that, that, you know, men being men. <laughs> kind of, and it just, it just meets that so, so well. And it, it's perfectly built. It comes off the back of Angle trying to win the King of the Ring two years in a row and Shane costing him. The three eyes versus the other three letters, WCW. It's, ah, oh, it's just, even talking about it now, I'm like, oh. Ah, oh, that's what we like. That's I, what we uh, like. I, I love it. Is it, does Angle wrestle three matches that night? Yeah. So he's in the semi-finals and he faces Christian. Yeah, Christian Edge and Shane. Then he loses to Edge with the help of Shane, and then yeah. he has the street fight against. So, so Edge. So, so Angle's had a, a, a bumper night so far already yeah. before this match even starts. And then you mentioned the the the, the infamous uh, thrown through the glass spot where they where they tested the pyro earlier in the day and the glass shattered. Yeah. And they went, "Oh, we better put some thicker glass in." Nobody thinking to to check. Oh, do you? Is this going to be for a spot? <laughs> 
oh well, I'm sure it'll yeah. be fine. And then uh, <laughs> 17 concussions later, Shaver Man goes flying through yeah. and then goes back the other way. That's yeah. the bit that always gets me. Hoys him through and then they have to go back and do it the other one. And I, I God. Was and it doesn't work. Yeah. So in the end, they just go and like try and through it and they shoot it from the other side so wonderfully. It's like he shot out of a cannon. Yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, just yeah. And, a, and, then they, and then and then the, the shoe coach on the ramp and always broken his tailbone. And if someone who's like broken their tailbone myself, walking is no fun when you've got sort of like a, a crack on your crack. Just the, and yeah. It's the adrenaline gets you it through. It genuinely is. And that, that end spot as well mm. is great. This is the, the angle slam off the top. With the plank of wood. With a plank of wood over the top row. Along with, the, and I think just chloroform at one point, Angle gets down on his knees to challenge change to like collegiate wrestling. Change pretends he's gonna do it and just kicks in. And it, it's just, ah, oh, great storytelling. God bless Kurt Angle getting paggered in that match because, uh, as, as described by Conrad, which I think was perfect, the roster in 2001 was snake bit because you had like, you had Triple H out, Austin was, was working injured, Benoit had been injured, Jericho was in a great way, Undertaker was knackered, now Angle's hurt as well. So, like, thank God, kind of, for the WCW invasion, because otherwise you just have, like, this roster of broken-down folk trying to tell stories. Was it 2001 Benoit's last match for a while? Yeah. So, so him, Jericho, Austin. Great match as well. And it was like they went for that back suplex off the top rope, and that's when he properly... Yeah. Did his neck in. That was, was what was, did it. He was going out anyway. But I think that just tipped it past the point. And Before that. Was in for the cover. I had to call an audible. If you want a bit of extracurricular, in the run-up to that, there's a great match on SmackDown in Canada between Benoit and Austin. Where is that the one with the 10 German suplexes yeah, in a row? Yeah, that's a really good match. Really good. Un- uh, forgotten in the annals of time for multiple reasons, um, but a very good match all the same. But the yeah. angle, angle McMahon one is, is a solid third choice for your Desert Island, sir. Uh, the, I could genuinely do this for hours, but um, uh, we've both got other places that we've got to go. You've yeah. got, to get, you've got to get back down south. I've got, I've got a train to catch. You've got a train to catch. I've already put back one. Bless you for, <laughs> and bless you for doing that, mate. Bless you for doing that. So so we'll let you let you go away. But honestly, as, you know what? As There's a few people during this horrible 18 months that have always kind of given me little chinks of light during difficult days. You're one of them. So I'm really glad that I get to sit next to you and say thank you for that. You are to me as well. It's uh, like Love You by Friday and the regular Pablo update. He sends his love, by the way. I I have no doubt he does. Send send my back. um, I certainly will. And uh, yeah, keep keep doing your thing and thanks for having me. Mate, it's been a pleasure. Uh, how can people find you online? You can find me on the old Twitter, at Adam underscore Pearson, and that will link into, into everything else. If you just want random musings about wrestling, gaming, and, and life in general, that's where you can find me. And if in doubt, um, just search Under the Skin on Pornhub. Adam will be there. T- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> I will. I will. Once you see something, you can't unsee it as a heads up. <laughs> For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.